have you with us here on another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. It's me, Chris Sork, alongside Delu, and we look back at a K-State victory 25-24 over the Texas Tech Red Raiders, and uh, K-State is able to really kind of pull it out here on this one, uh, scoring 15 unanswered points in the second half, uh, holding Texas Tech scoreless, pitching shutouts. The mob is back. Uh, where K-State is able to uh, break what was an eight-game conference losing streak, and they're able to uh, to start, hopefully, what is going to be a nice winning streak here as we uh, get into kind of the heart of conference play uh, after uh, after that win in Lubbock uh, against Texas Tech. d great to be on with you, my man. Icon, it's great to be here celebrating and talking about a big time Wildcats victory. You know, it had been a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, it had been a while. Yeah, it had been a little bit, and you know, K State, you know, in the in the three games we we've talked about this plenty: Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Iowa State. Teams that were going into the season felt that we were probably going to be up against it against. I think yeah, let's call it what say. it is: three good teams, three I mean, three are... really talented teams. Uh, of course, Oklahoma State maybe kind of came into the season, maybe not quite sure exactly what uh, what they look like, but they've they've acquitted themselves quite well here um, throughout uh, the um, throughout the uh, regular season so far. And you know, Oklahoma's Oklahoma, and Iowa State was a preseason top ten team. So now that the uh, now that the schedule's kind of hopefully lightening up here for for K State, uh, maybe a chance to to see some of those games get uh, paid off for, for wins for the Wildcats. And we'll, of course, look ahead to uh, K-State's game. 2.30 TCU uh, is uh, coming to Manhattan for, for a ball game that really two teams that both need wins. You know, TCU, they've dropped four of their last five. K-State, um, you, you know, they, they've won two of their last five. But, you know, having had that long losing streak in Big 12 play, this is a chance for them maybe to uh, to start a little bit of a winning streak here as, as they close out uh, the month of October and look f- for a, a good sh- finish the rest of the year. Yeah, uh, both teams leaking oil a little bit. I think yeah. both teams, uh, their only uh, conference wins so far are against Texas Tech. Does TCU have an, a second Big 12 win? I forget. That would be their one and only. Yeah, so um, of course uh, Matt Wells canned. In yeah. Texas Tech. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah, well, before we uh, get into breaking down uh, the Texas Tech game, which was a much-needed win for K-State, I want to talk to you about our friends over at Manhattan Brewing Company. Uh, Manhattan Brewing Company is, of course, uh, the title sponsor of the Short Side Option Podcast. And uh, I want to tell you a little bit about them. Uh, Manhattan Brewing Company is located, located in the heart of downtown Manhattan at 406 Points Avenue. Their motto over at Manhattan Brewing Company is simple. We brew beer for the people of Manhattan because that's what we are and that's who we care about. They have a tremendous selection of beers on tap over at Manhattan Brewing Company. Uh, Nearly 20 beers on tap, all of which are brewed in-house. So there is going to be something uh, to please any beer drinker's palate. Uh, Manhattan Brewing Company provides high-quality craft beer in a family-friendly atmosphere. You're able to enjoy Downtown Manhattan, as you sip on some of their classics like the Townie, a wheat brew with citra hops, or the Conservation Colch, got it right that time, Uh, a light in color and body beer 
with a slightly fruity aroma and taste. With that conservation Kolsch, folks, they, uh, they give a dollar of every pint of that to Sunset Zoo to assist in their conservation efforts. So really a great cause there. Uh, so if you're in Manhattan this weekend for homecoming, uh, maybe a little bit before the parade, sneak on down to Manhattan Brewing Company, have yourself a beer. Uh, have yourself a couple beers, maybe, if you are so inclined. Yeah, go for it. Uh, and that's uh, Manhattan Brewing Company, folks. Uh, super happy to have them on board. And you can find them at 406 Points Avenue. Tell the icon sent you. So that will, uh, let's go ahead and get in, in you know, I, I know for a fact, you'll be able to find the icon at one point or another this week at Manhattan Brewing Company. I can, I can promise you that. You can take that to the bank, folks. Yeah, yeah. You'll be there guzzling down cold ones. Yeah, 100%. Most definitely. Most definitely. Most definitely. So let's, um, well, let's go to that, that Texas Tech game. Um, K-State pulls one out, 25-24. Let's go ahead and start this game chronologically. Yeah, okay. About, if you can draw up like what is almost like a nightmare start on the road, that would have to be about it, right? Uh, yeah. So Texas Tech gets the ball. Um, they score in two plays. Two plays. Two yeah. play drive, yeah. Both. 30 seconds off the clock. Both running plays, if I recall. Yeah. Um, well, I think technically the first play might be considered a pass, but it was behind the line. Of, I don't. I'm not quite sure how it was because they swung it out a little bit. Right. Well, so it might be technically characterized as a run since it was behind the line of scrimmage, but one yeah. way or the other. This year, regardless, Lee, <coughs> Lynch Mob was leaking oil on that first drive. Yeah. It's not what you want to see. Uh, it, you know, echoes of the Iowa State start. Uh, there on that first drive, and you think, uh-oh, Mob is not back. No. Far away. Not. Certainly not. Um, kind of concerning, uh, giving up uh, opponents scoring uh, in one play their first of the first drive in the first week, uh, two plays in the second week. Um, defense well, has to uh, yeah. it has come to... out of the gates a little stronger. Yeah, no question. And, you know, it... I I I don't really have an explanation for 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 that necessarily. I mean, when you look at it, the simplest explanation I can give you is just poor tackling, and that's becoming a a uh, a theme here throughout. And you know, K State's defense does rebound here in this game and plays really pretty well um, for for most of the rest of the game, but it, it's just. You know these these little lapses and these little mistakes that uh, that leave you really scratching your head as to like you know what's going on here because there's no reason that uh, I mean Texas Tech went down there and scored on that first drive and it, it, I mean obviously when you when you score in two plays you make it look easy no matter what the case is but they um, I mean th- there was I mean not even really having guys there in position to tackle on. I don't know if it's misalignment, whatever the case was, but K-State, uh, you know, it, it felt like you are watching the same movie again, uh, just with people wearing uh, different uniforms uh, in this one. But K-State was able to kind of settle in after the second touchdown drive. 
uh, of Texas Tech. Right. And so, uh, after on the ensuing kickoff, Tech boots it deep. Malik Knowles returns it and uh, gets caught up a little bit. Uh, not the best ball security. Gets knocked out. Tech is on it. And they have the ball. Uh, the offense back on the field after a two-play scoring drive. Uh, at about what the thirty-yard line or so? Yeah, they started five-yard line. Yeah, started that one at uh, at the twenty-three-yard uh, twenty-three-yard line. So, uh, Tech marches down the field. Uh, they convert on a fourth and goal at the Kansas State one-yard line, and before you know it, it's fourteen to nothing, Raiders. Yeah, and you know, if nothing else, the defense did kind of at least get a chance to get Texas Tech off the field there on that fourth and goal. Uh, but the, but Tech was able to run it through, and, and at this point of the game, you you felt pretty pretty worried about. Well, like, and also there was a uh, Tech would have been facing a third down at about three from K State's uh, about seventeen yard line or so, and then we get an unnecessary roughness penalty on Jerron McPherson tossing the quarterback Henry Columbia uh, oh, yeah. out of bounds, yeah. which put them inside the 10, new set of downs. And so K-State really just shooting themselves in the foot um, really in the first six or seven plays of the game. And at that point, it's like, dude, this thing's, we're on thin ice. Yeah, it it felt to me anyway that we were teetering on the edge of of getting this game to be really out of hand. And I didn't think it would get that way necessarily because I didn't think Texas Tech quite had the offensive firepower to really – uh, to really run away and hide in this game, and we, we see later that they didn't. And but if if our defense was going to continue to have these massive coverage breaks and just poor tackling, then you know it wouldn't have necessarily taken a great offensive performance for that to for that to take place. But you know, K State gets the ball after being down now fourteen nothing. They go three plays and out. Uh, so does Texas Tech. And what and, a weird first drive for K State. You have the. The drop, you have uh, Skylar Thompson falling over in the backfield, yeah, tripping over kind of yeah. slow, and you're, now is, you're beginning to wonder, like, oh my gosh, and you're, really you're punting it away down 14 in the first five minutes of the game, and Tech has a chance to drive and score to go up 21 points uh, just like that, and so really, I, I mean, this next drive for Texas Tech felt like it must stop for K State if they were going to have any chance in the game, and. That sort of having that kind of circumstance that early in the game is horrifying. Yeah, and you know, K State's able to get uh, Texas Tech's got three plays and out. Um, big play there was the um, what was on 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 the third and ten. Nate Matlack getting back there and, and getting a sack of, of uh, Henry Columbia. K State gets the ball back and they go on a drive, fourteen plays, seventy eight yards takes 10 minutes of time off the clock. And at this point, you're saying, okay, this K-State offense is starting to kind of uh, find their way here a little bit. And, you know, really, the big plays on this were were to a couple different guys, uh, one of which may be someone that, you know, we maybe had kind of mentioned as a guy that had been coming along, and that's a 30-yard pass there to Tyrone Howell. Yeah. Um, where where K-State really uh, got into Texas Tech uh, territory for the first time on Saturday. Yeah, that was that was a uh, big play there, Stan. Um, and 
great pass by Skylar Thompson, uh, but an even better catch by Howell because uh, he really climbed the ladder there. You know what? It kind of reminded me a little bit of the catch by Malik Knowles against Arkansas State last year, uh, where maybe just a pretty tall throw, but Tyrone Howell climbs the ladder and reels it in. But on this drive, K-State really put themselves in some tough positions. They sure did. I, they sure I mean, did. Just really via penalty. I mean, K-State faced a second and 14 at their own 18. They faced a a second and 19 at the Tech 44. Uh, they converted a fourth down on the Tech 9, uh, fourth and four on the Tech 29. And uh, finally a third and eight. So there were a lot of, I mean, they were behind the sticks a lot in that drive. And credit to Skylar Thompson in this passing game for, uh, you know, converting on a pivotal possession here in this game. Uh, notwithstanding the, uh, the, unforced errors that uh, K-State kind of put on themselves. Well, we, uh, in talking about Skylar Thompson, you know, one of his m- most efficient days, uh, you know, which against Oklahoma he was extremely efficient. Uh, against Texas Tech he was extremely efficient. Uh, 24 of 30, 296 yards, uh, a QBR of 74 uh, via our, our friends over here at the Worldwide Leader. Um, the other thing, too, that I think is really interesting is you've got a lot of different people getting involved in the uh, pass, in the receiving category. Yeah. You've got Deuce Vaughn, of course, you come to expect him. Landry Weber, who, who's kind of emerged as a nice option here. Uh, he has three receptions. Phillip Brooks has five receptions. Cade Warner, his biggest game is a Wildcat, uh, with two receptions for 35 yards. And then the following players all had one reception. You matter, Bebe, Howell, Sebastian Taylor. Nice to see him get some action. Yep. Uh, Jackson E, Malik Knowles, Nick Leonard's, and Sammy Wheeler. Your guy. My guy, Sammy well, Wheeler. Well, the, the interesting stat about K-State's pass distribution on Saturday, I thought, was that K-State had six guys with over 30 yards of receiving. Yeah. And yeah. none of them were Malik Knowles. That's right. That's talk, right. You know, you if you would have told me You Malik- talk about an, an offense being multiple... That's multiple, maybe. Yeah. You, you had told me before the game Malik Knowles has eight receiving yards. I'd say, <laughs> yeah, well. That's, that doesn't exactly quite uh, match uh, a, uh, a winning formula for K-State, probably. Yeah, Malik Knowles has eight receiving yards, and K-State puts up almost 300 yards receiving, um, 300 yards passing. That's You're wondering where all that yes, is coming Something from. does not quite compute. Um, but... You know, th- this was a really, uh, really kind of goes back to my initial point about why I like K-State in this game. I liked them because they had a senior, you know, experienced quarterback with Skylar Thompson. And uh, Chris Kleiman was quoted as saying, you know, at halftime I went to Skylar and I told Mess, I was like, let's put the, let's put the ball game here in the hands of, of our quarterback. And... You saw that a little bit more. I mean, letting him, you know, have a little bit more control of the line at scrimmage, you know, being trusting him to throw the ball, you know, because K-State's running game, you know, pretty pretty bad day, honestly. I mean, 30 carries, or 29 carries rather for 81 yards. Yeah, that's not, that's not what you and want. And if you would tell me we would have ran for 81 yards, I'd say, yeah, we're probably not winning this, winning this ball game. But, uh, you know, a big defensive second half, and then also, uh, of course, uh, Skylar Thompson – being accurate, smart with football, uh, led for led, led K State to be able to uh, to put enough points on the board on Saturday. 
Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we talked about this, that the defensive coordinators are going to try to stop Deuce Vaughn first and say, K-State, we're going to give you some good looks passing the football, but we're not going to sit back and let Deuce Vaughn uh, put up 150, 200 yards on us. And we've seen that against several teams this year where teams basically just dare K-State to pass, and that's what we saw on Saturday. And with Skylar Thompson back there, K-State is proving uh, that they could put up points under that scenario. I mean, Oklahoma did it, and Thompson rose to the occasion in that game. Not quite as uh, stout against Iowa State, but, um, you know, that's that's the formula teams are trying to execute against K-State. Um, and K-State was good enough to uh, outduel Texas Tech and beat them with really on the, almost entirely on the back of their passing game. Yeah, they did. They did. And, you know, big credit to Skylar Thompson. I'll be interested to see kind of what uh, what K-State has uh, up their sleeve here uh, this next week against TCU and also for the remainder of the conference season because uh, I do think that this team has some ability to to, um, to really spread that ball around like we saw more of on, on, on Saturday. And I think that that might be something you see maybe not to the same extent with having six guys over 30 yards receiving – but uh, getting some guys in the mix, but also, too, um, maybe seeing a little bit more uh, of kind of some of the other things we talked about, uh, being kind of a little bit more, um, I don't know how you want to necessarily phrase it, but giving some different looks in the running game. You know, we call, I called last week for getting Joe Irvin and Deuce Vaughn on the field more at the same time. We saw exactly kind of what we had both talked about at right. one point with, uh, with Duke with Deuce being the guy in motion on the jet action uh, and handing the ball to him, uh, that's something you've been calling for for a while. I stood up and applauded. You did. Yeah, you played. did. Because, I, can, I can attest. You well, did. It's just because we've, we've talked about it all year. Deuce gets so much attention that if we can utilize him and Joe Irvin on the field at the same time, Joe Irvin is perfectly capable back, but if we can have Deuce be the guy on that jet action, then you're going to that's going to get a lot more attention than somebody like Philip Brooks, who, no offense, the best in the world. But if if the idea is we want teams really focused on that eye candy, then Deuce Vaughn is the guy you want there. And, you know, that's... I think they only ran that once, that yes. I recall. They only... I think you're right, yeah. So, uh, it will be interesting to see kind of, you know, maybe if, if Mess... You know, really is tuning in this week to dial up a few more of those, huh? Yeah. Bring you it know? On. What, do you, what do you say about that? He's, so, got, he's holding it back. He's got it in the sleeve. Yeah. So, you know, back to the game here. K-State goes on that long scoring drive. Tech answers. Which I thought was pretty darn impressive by Texas Tech. Because, well, and very disappointing for K-State. Because that was a spot where uh, K-State really could have gotten back in the game. They get a stop yeah, on that drive. Right. And Tech comes back and really sets the tone on a uh, ten-play touchdown drive, and just like that, K State's back down fourteen points. Well, and then K State has to settle for a punt uh, on their next drive, and now Texas Tech's got the ball back with about six and a half minutes left in the second quarter, and we're right back at that same point again, where things could get a little bit ugly um, here because you certainly don't want to go down three scores here. And K-State makes a, makes a big play on defense, get an interception, uh, to which they are able to turn into points, uh, not 
not seven, but three, uh, with a Tate and Winkle field goal. Uh, that was a little bit of a, a shot to the gut here because Casey gets the ball on a short field at the 35-yard line after a nice little interception, a run back there by uh, Rush East. And they get a big play on a Malik Knowles run to get him inside the 10-yard line. They end up having to settle for a, a short field goal, which, you know, you have to take the points there probably in that, in that part of the game. But K-State really feels like they need to come away from with, with seven every time you enter the red zone. I mean, that's that's always the expectation. But that was a that was a bit of a a shot there because K-State really had had a chance to really grab momentum. If, with it, everything that had gone wrong for K-State up until that point, if they could have gone into halftime down seven, you would have felt pretty good about it. Yeah, you're, you're living with that because you get the yeah. ball at halftime, of course, and yeah. you think, okay, we can make a game out of this. need to come out firing. So K State sells for a field goal. It's cut to uh, twenty-one to ten lead for the Red Raiders. Unfortunately, this is becoming a bit of a theme. Tech marches right down and kicks a field goal uh, of their own. Now there was still plenty of time left. A little under three minutes left for for Tech to to operate, which is plenty of time for them. They went down there and they kick a field goal. They take a twenty-four to ten lead going into halftime. So K State. Not great here to start the. You're the leaking oil. Match. You're down 14 points at the break, and uh, you 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 want to stop. Yeah. You, you want to stop Tech's offense, and you need to score on this first possession. Well, K State doesn't score on the first possession. No, they don't. They go three plays and out, and they have to settle for a punt. And uh, Ty Zetner bombs one 73 or 63 yards down the Texas Tech uh, three yard line. Great punt. On the next play, you've now all seen it now. But King Felix, Felix, and Aduke Uzama gets in the backfield, causes a safety, gives K State two points and the ball. Yeah. The play, maybe, of the season so far for the Wildcats. Just about, I think. I mean,. He just bull rushed inside there, and he's proving that he is an all-conference caliber player. I mean, yeah, in his first year as really a, a starter, he has made himself uh, to be in the conversation as one of the best defensive players in history. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in history, of all time. Yeah, a guy that is leading, I believe, the Big Twelve in sacks still. And uh, maybe, maybe he might have maybe got past somebody at one point. I know going into the week, I believe he was at the top of the leaderboard in sacks. Um, anyway, this is a guy that is really blossoming right before our very eyes, isn't he, Dilo? Yeah, he sure is, and it's it's nice to really see him uh, develop and become that kind of dominant defensive end that K State has really had over the years. Yeah, you know, whether if it's going back to like 2016, you have Jordan Willis, who is an all-Big 12 caliber player, of course, and, you know, uh, an NFL draft pick, Wyatt Hubert, of course. Yeah, and even um, going back when, with guys like Ryan Mueller, Meshack. Yeah. Uh, they, some of these really impressive, uh, Rob Jackson. I mean, there's a yeah. bit of a tradition at K-State of having some really, really good uh, defensive ends, and Felix looks like, this stage in his career, he might be the best of the bunch. You know, in terms of 
what he's been able to do at, like you said, this stage of his career. I can't imagine, I mean, because this is essentially his really, I mean, he's still a redshirt freshman. Right. And this is his first real action in a season. I mean, I think he got a few snaps here and there last year at times. But uh, for him to burst on the scene this way is a surprise that it's happening this early. And it's also a surprise that, you know, the, the level of performance that he, he showed so far is, is really a um, really an unexpected yeah. uh, revelation, but also a much-needed revelation for this defense. Because as a recruit, very little ballyhoo. Late add, late add to the class. Kind of overlooked. Um, Local kid, too. Yeah, and so it's... It's pretty wild to see him come on and reach this kind of star status so quickly, um, but certainly a welcome surprise for uh, this K-State defense. So after that safety, uh, K-State's able to go 69 yards in six plays and punch it in for a touchdown. And all of a sudden, K-State's down five, and they've got some momentum here. As they uh, as we're here kind of into the, uh, to the midway part of the third quarter, Defense comes through and uh, gets tech to punt. Now, K-State has the ball, a chance to lead, and they're moving the ball pretty well here on, on, on Texas There's Saturday. five and a half minutes left in this game, and I'm thinking K-State, K-State's going to run away with this. Yeah, because the momentum had definitely switched sidelines. It, um, I mean, really, when you look at things, K-State had been able to move the ball kind of once they waded through the the, the mess that they had self-inflicted on themselves, of course, too, in the first couple uh, moments of the game. But now you're here and you're looking at this K-State team and uh, it looks like they're about ready to you know move it down, score a touchdown, and then uh, Nick Leonard's fumble on, on what uh, was going to be a first down. Yeah. He, he already had the first down. He, he tries to make a play going up the field. And the ball gets knocked loose immediately. I'm saying, oh, he was down. He was not down. And uh, K-State uh, turns the ball over there, and you're thinking, man. That was devastating. That was, that's a devastating, like, just when things are really starting to look good, there there's always a but. And uh, that was the but, but you know what? And, it, and it, it was crazy because you felt like at that point in the game, K-State's dominating this game. We are stopping them on yep. defense and doing pretty much whatever we want on offense. Now, the problem is is that K-State gave up 14 points in the first three minutes of the game. Yeah, have to dig themselves And so the you're getting back to, man, we got this huge deficit on this bogus stuff, uh, stuff that counts nonetheless. Yep. And that's just that's why when you're down that much that early, your margin for error is just razor thin, uh, especially when you're still chasing the deficit in the third quarter and to have a, um, a, a long drive that looks pretty promising come to a screeching halt um you know almost in the red zone then it's it's devastating because you're thinking okay well at this point we only have maybe two more possessions yeah we need to stop yeah and k-state's able to get that stop and uh you know tech gets the ball uh, you know, in decent field position, about their 35-yard line. They they get it. They move it down here a little bit on us. And um, they're in a little bit of what's no man's land right here. Okay, so the situation is it's third and 17. This is the first play of the fourth quarter. Excuse me. I take that back. 
there there's about 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And they they pick up enough yardage to say, you know what, we probably should go for this. It's fourth and sixth of the 34. Probably the right call. Too far to kick a field goal. Even though they do have a better kicker than what maybe Texas Seconds has had in the past. But they end up they end up going for it. We we force an incompletion there. And this sets up K-State in, in good field position here. Same place that Tech took it over at after the uh, the K-State turnover. And uh, K-State's able to move it down because of one big Texas Tech mistake. Big mistake. And when I say big mistake, I mean, I don't want to be this kind of guy, but um, Devin Drew's personal foul cost Matt Wallace's job. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, if we're just gonna call it like, <laughs> I mean, it's, that, let's just let's just call it how it is. I mean, case in in all there there. Well, I don't want to say that had K State ended up punting here, then it would the game sure would have been over. Yeah, there's still fair. some time left. Yeah, um, not much, but we're sitting at third and thirty four, and I'm thinking, shoot, guys, this possession is dead. I I really thought we should have given some consideration. Get the punting unit out on third down, and uh, yeah, sneak Zetner out there. No reason to waste another forty seconds, or a minute on you know a ten yard pass play. We got to we got to get Tech the ball so they can go three and out or try to get the yeah. ball back. Well, and you know we were watching the game together, Dilu, and you know third and thirty four. I don't know what you have in the uh, I don't know what you have in the playbook for that one, really. Um, obviously, run the bomb. Yeah, you're in a bomb. And uh, but anyway, Sub Zero so, ain't getting it done. No, Sub Zero is certainly not gonna get it done. What's the other one that I always like to run? Sub Zero is probably my second go-to play. Uh, I don't remember what year. There's Hail Mary, which, but that wasn't. It was something like called. I'll get back to you. I don't want to him and haw too much here, but so third thirty-four. You don't really have anything in the playbook for that one. No. And I remember we were watching together and. I noticed, I can't remember if it was Cooper Beebe, I think is who it was, he had his helmet off, and he's, like, on the ground. I'm, like, thinking, okay, well, this is not good, because you don't want to see one of your, your best offensive linemen be injured. But I'm thinking, in my head, I see there's a flag on the play, I'm saying, okay, if our guy's in this much pain, and, and something in his helmet's off, unless he just took it off, Something tells me we might get a personal foul call here. I might get a little hands to the face. And I and I called out. I said, "How about a legal hands to the face?" And you nailed it. And uh, sure enough, that's what it was. And that puts wind back in K State's offensive sails here, because at this point it was it was looking this drive like this drive was going to be a, a a dud, and we're going to have to play for another possession. Probably only going to get one more. Uh, to be able to go down and score. And, and K-State takes advantage of it. And as we mentioned, early in the game, Texas Tech gets the gift on the Malik Knowles fumble on the kickoff. K-State gets a gift all the same right back here. And they're able to pick up a third down and three uh, on that on that same drive. And then uh, cash in on a 22-yard pass from Skylar Thompson to, uh, to Deuce Vaughn, rather. And uh, typical 
Deuce Vaughn play, right? Yeah, sneak him out of the sneak backfield. him out of the backfield up on a on a wheel route. He beats this guy by three or four steps, and it's an easy touchdown. Mm-hmm. I mean that there there's really not much uh, else to break down about that play. It's it's a tough play for Texas Tech because they're used to Deuce Vaughn putting the final nail in their coffin. Yeah, uh, the same thing last years. year. And uh, so K State goes on top for the first time today. Missed the two point conversion, which you 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 love would have loved to have that, of course, to make it a, a three point game. But K State's happy to have a one point lead here. Well, and not only do you miss the two point conversion, which is rough enough, but then the Malik Knowles personal yeah, foul. Exactly. I was just about to get to that. Uh, in a one point game this late in the game, where Tech really only needs a field goal um, to. Well, it almost put the cap on this sucker. And uh, all of a sudden, K-State's backed up, kicking from their own 20-yard line. Then, enter, enter Astro Leg. And then... And he boots it down. Zentner boots it down. K-State's coverage is terrific. But hold on, folks. There's a little laundry. A little laundry on the field. Yes. Eric Munoz, transfer linebacker from Utah State, was offsides on the kickoff. And they replayed it, and sure enough, he was definitely yeah, offside. Yeah, he, he was most assuredly offside. So, things were bad, they were worse now. Because now K-State's kicking off from their own 15-yard line. Interesting. Now, at this point, too, at, at the 20-yard line, because Zettner has, obviously, a very strong leg. We've seen that throughout uh, his time here at K-State. But at the 20, I said, yeah, let him kick it. At the fit and, and we covered it great. And then again at the 15. I'm almost saying at this point, yeah, let's just go ahead, kick it deep, but kick it out of bounds. Yeah. Just let them have the ball at the I think they get it at 35. It's what in rugby you call kicking to touch. Kicking to touch. You know, you hey. Just, you just boot that sucker past the 40 and yeah, somewhere just, out of bounds past the 40 yards. Yeah, and I you would have said, not great. We're giving them 15 free yards that or 10 free yards that they, you know. Just as soon would would not have given them. But you're worried about well, you're if you worried, kick it deep, yeah. If you're worried about out kicking it and then them being able to get a really nice return, maybe you know past the fifty, or you're worried about you know, you're almost at this point conceding that they're going to have very good field position. Yeah. Let's just call. Let's just leave it at that. Well, Zetner unleashes a beauty. His best kick, and uh, Texas Tech gets the ball at the 25-yard line. So how about that? So how about that? All, well, all things considered. But truly an amazing uh, sequence there. Because yeah. even if Munoz is, is off sides on the first one, but Tech has a successful play, then, I mean, they'll just decline the penalty if they get the ball at the 40-yard yeah. line. Yeah. Um, and so, regardless, I that's a sequence in the game that doesn't really show up on the stat sheet, but incredibly important for K-State to main some of those invisible yards yeah. um, and not give Tech a short field uh, and a chance to kick a long field goal for the win. Yeah, because it, it certainly mattered. Uh, because as we see here, uh, after a 10-yard holding penalty on the Raiders, on the Red Raiders here, uh, Sir Roderick Thompson bust one uh, near midfield, and that's about as far as uh, they uh, – Texas Tech would get another first down, big fourth and two conversion. You know, Rich really felt like it was good coverage 
uh, I think it was Sincere Mason was on the coverage. And, you know, it was good coverage. He was there. And one thing I saw somebody mention on Twitter, and I thought this was a, a good call out here, was, yes, he, the coverage was there. It was a good throw, good catch. But you have to give Mason also credit for getting him down. Yeah. Because if he doesn't, if he doesn't get him down there and he break, is able to break that tackle, uh, Texas Tech's either in the end zone or maybe inside the red zone uh, at that point. Big play to get him down because K-State, they'll give up the first down because they still had another 15 yards, 15, 20 yards to kind of mess with there. Uh, but you have to give credit here to the, the K-State defense in the second half. Of course, we mentioned um, that, um, you know, the pitching shutout there in the second half. But you also have to mention, too, they, they weren't necessarily always in great easy spots, especially, you know, having to force a turnover on downs the last two possessions that Texas Tech had it. Uh, the defense comes to play, and, and th- you know, at the end of the day, the two guys that really made life tough for the, Raider, the Red Raiders here on this last series – Nate Matlock and Felix and Aduke Uzama. Yeah, that's right. Back-to-back sacks there on that uh, final set of downs for uh, K-State. And, man, it was, of course, Felix, great to see. But Matlock, another guy who's really kind of being thrust into action probably before he's totally ready um, to get at least this much playing time. He'd like to, of yeah. course, have somebody like... Uh, Khalid Duke or even Boom Massey carrying the bulk of those snaps rather than have it alternate between Trussell and Matlack. But Matlack uh, certainly made some plays on Saturday and none bigger than his huge sack uh, on 4th and 16 for K-State um, because that was the one that sealed the, sealed the game. Yeah, it sure did. And at that point, it was all over but the crying, really. K-State was... Not able to quite run it out uh, entirely, I, I don't believe. I think there was... There would have been about 30 seconds left. Yeah, or so. but they were able to pick up a first down, and, and that's all she wrote. Uh, K-State's able to, to escape Lubbock 25-24, led behind Deuce Vaughn, Skylar Thompson on the offensive side of the ball, and uh, a, a shutout pitch by the defense in the second half. Yeah, um, you know... It, it was odd because it seems like the tenor of K-State Nation after this game was just kind of um, grumbling acceptance. But I, you play a game that poorly and still uh, come away with a win on the road against a Big 12 team that's not KU, that I'm, works for me. I'll yeah, that. you know, and I think that is where most of the, the grumbling comes from is because it's like... Well, we're still making a lot of the same mistakes week yeah, in, week out. that's true. And we're, the level of play is just not very good. And if it was anyone else other than Texas Tech, probably lose this game. Maybe so. That, I, I, and I, yeah, and I, don't just, I agree more in your camp than the grumbling. But I think I can understand where, where the grumblers, why they're grumbling. Of course. They, they want us because to... what do grumblers do? They grumble. grumble. That's how much we know. <laughs> they wanted us to go... Um, win a game in which we were about, what, one-point favorite at the time of game time? Yeah, yeah. They, they wanted us to win that game by 20 points. Well, we're... The thing is, is that this K-State team isn't that great. It's a team that makes a lot of errors, 
part of that's because they're young, and part of it's because they they're just not very smart on the field sometimes. I mean, yeah. you have your you have two guys who've been in the program forever, Jerron McPherson and Malik Knowles, contributing thirty yards and penalties just between the two of them on two uh, personal foul yeah personal fouls after the play. I mean, that's that's just really bad discipline. And you can pin that on coaching or you can pin it on individuals. Oh, I, I pin it on coaching. Yeah. I think that's been a staple uh, of really that's true. I mean, so far, and, too. But this year, regardlessly, um, K-State got the job done on Saturday. They got, they got the win. They shot themselves in the foot. They made it a lot harder for themselves than it needed to be. But all told, K-State played probably a maybe a C- game on Saturday to put it what I think is pretty charitably. Yeah. And still got a road win in the Big Twelve. Yeah. I mean, you look at it that way, I mean, hundred percent a win is always better than a loss. Yeah. Now, you know, I was listening to uh Sirius XM today, I listened to the ESPN radio and they're talking about teams that are, you know, gunning for the college football playoff and they're a stop they're you know, they're talking about, well, you know, Alabama jumped to Oklahoma this week even though Oklahoma's undefeated and Alabama's already lost, but you know Alabama is winning. When they win, they win in style. Oklahoma, they have to pull, you know, a close game out against KU and, and so on and so forth. And you know what? They're they're right about that. Style points matter in college football when you're going for maybe the college football playoff. But for my and for where this K-State team is, I don't care if they win by one or if they win by 30. I, I, I'd i like to have them win by 30. No, we're not chasing the playoff. We're, we're chasing... Not, we're chasing... Bowl eligibility and, and jockeys for bowl position. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's almost like we're more in like the NFL type kind of mindset where a win by one is just as good of a win as a win by 30. Right. And uh, it's... That's fine with me. I, I, I have no problem with that. I'd now, like, I would have preferred to have oh, sure, a non-stressful sure. game. But, but and that's what I'm in, in, in let's just go ahead and close up on, on Texas Tech. Is there, because this almost leads in here to the TCU preview. Is you know what I'm looking forward to seeing from K State in this game. And I think that there's a couple of good reasons to think that this may happen. But I'm really looking forward to K State being able to put together maybe their most complete game this season since Stanford, uh, where I thought they played really pretty, uh, a pretty clean game, all things considered. Of course, there was uh, a turnover on, early on in that game uh, for K-State, but when I look at this, I think the uh, the signs, so to speak, are there for K-State to play one of their best games this season against a, T- a TCU team coming into Manhattan that, uh, you know, is going in the wrong direction. It's not all rosy down in the stockyards. No, no, it's not. Well, before before we fully get in here to TCU, is there anything else you want to say here uh, on the Texas Tech game? Um, n- not really. I think we covered it. I, I, I don't know if you want to talk about Matt Wells right now, or if you want to do that kind of in, at the end. Yeah, let's just, let's wait for that to kind of our Big Twelve roundup. I love we, it. That yeah. we kind of do. And as as I kind of coined it maybe last week, do you lose parting shot? Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah, how about that, huh? Well, before we get over to the Texas Christian preview... You going to talk to us a little bit about Manhattan Brewery I, You know, I think I am, actually. Uh, you I, know, I, I, I wanted to talk to you about Manhattan Brewing Company. This is the place to be in Manhattan, as far as I'm concerned, for uh, any of your homecoming weekend festivities. Um, and, you know, they've got a lot of things going on over there. 
I saw uh, this week they had all sorts of events planned out for the entire week. Uh, be sure to check them out on Instagram at Manhattan Brewing and on Twitter at Manhattan Brew so you can stay up to, to date on all of the upcoming events and parties they have going on at Manhattan Brewing Company. Uh, also be sure to check out uh, their website www.mhkbeer.com there you can keep up with all the events that they have going on and purchase items through their shop such as t-shirts and hats. Uh, I know they had their yoga at the brewery and uh, pumpkins and pints this last week. I, I'm sure it was a big hit. I saw some of the Instagrams from it. It looked like it was well attended. So love to see that. And, uh, you know, they're going to have more of that stuff coming their way here. And I, I, uh, I know that uh, they'll be updating their social media uh, to let you know of that. Uh, folks, the motto over at Manhattan Brewing Company is simple. It's we brew beer for the people of Manhattan because that's what we are and that's who we care about. Folks, that's Manhattan Brewing Company at 406 Points Avenue in Manhattan. So, Dilu, Icon, TCU comes to town. Texas Christian. The Frogs. Yep. G. Patty. <sighs> not a great, not a great, uh, probably not a very happy Gary Patterson for probably a number of reasons. One, they've lost four of their last five. Yeah, not what you want. And, you know, they lost one here to, to West Virginia last week that is kind of a head-scratcher in, in, in a lot of ways. So kind of in the same vein here as K-State does uh, to Texas Tech, uh, TCU gets off to a dream start. They, um, they return the opening kick for a touchdown. Yeah. And then there's not much cheering for, for TCU the rest of the game. I mean, what West Virginia really takes control of this game, especially in the second half, similar to how K-State does. Uh, West Virginia, with Letty Brown, scores three touchdowns on the ground. Daggy plays a pretty darn clean game, 21 of 28. Max Duggan, who's been kind of up and down for TCU, has kind of one of those up and down performances, uh, throwing two interceptions. And... Um, you, you know, really, when you look at it, this was a, I mean, for West Virginia, it was a must-win game going into it, but this is a game that TCU had to have thought that this is one that we really need to win here, and they should win. Now, when we look here at what, um, with what TCU brings into town, as I mentioned, lost four of their last five. Also, too, some news out of uh, the stockyards today. Their uh, dynamic running back, Zach Evans, a little bit of mystery about his availability. There's rumors that he is uh, going to be entering the transfer portal. I've seen kind of conflicting reports on that. Uh, I expect him to be in Manhattan just because I don't know if I can quite believe all the uh, scoopmeisters on Twitter. But uh, we will see. There's certainly some, uh, some smoke around that will be interesting to monitor uh, throughout the week. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit shocking to see uh, Patterson's program kind of in this state of disarray. You think TCU, they're a, they've been a pretty solid pretty middle consistent. of the tier to upper tier Big 12 team yeah. over the years. Um, but Had some really good teams, obviously, when they first got into uh, the league and uh, their first couple of years, 2014, 2015, both very good teams. And then, um, 
and then a little bit, uh, you know, with the the Kenny Hill. Uh, after he got there, they you know they had a couple nice seasons there, made it to a Big Twelve championship game with him. But now they find themselves three they find and themselves four, kind one of and three. yeah, kind of in the in the middle class, even lower middle class here in the Big Twelve, and. You know, quite frankly, this is a team that has talent. Who I thought was going to be one of the um, was one of the top three or four teams in the conference this year, and quite frankly, that hasn't been the case. No, not at all. I mean, you you nailed it when talking about this West Virginia game because that second half was just a complete disaster for the Horn Frogs offense. Uh, they possessed the ball uh, seven times in the second half, came away with zero points. Uh, of those seven possessions, three were turnovers, two of them coming on the back of Max Duggan interceptions. Um, and then they punted um, once and then had a couple turnovers on downs. So, I forgive me, only six possessions for the Horn Frogs. Okay. But nonetheless, uh, you know, you're looking here and, boy, it's it was an ugly second half there for the uh, TCU offense and... You know, when Zach Evans is, his status is questionable. Uh, you know, TCU has some fine running backs uh, behind him. Uh, probably. Yeah, and that's probably, why. Uh, Kendra Miller is, is going to be the guy they lean on to do most of the heavy lifting in Ab- Evans' absence. But. Yeah, and if, if Evans is out of the game, which I, I don't know if you can really count much on. Oh, it count. Take it to the bank. He's out. He's out. Call him out. Dell's Dell's telling you. Zach Evans out on Saturday. Folks, that was this week's uh, edition of Dell tells. <laughs> Dell's tells. Dell's tells. I like that. Yeah. That I like. Yeah. Okay, so Zach Evans out. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. And so, if if the plan is to for TCU to just rely totally on Max Duggan's arm, then. I think that would be a, a welcome relief for K-State because uh, K-State's really struggled this year trying to contain uh, balanced offenses, especially offenses that can run the football uh, pretty effectively. And um, to the extent we can force TCU to be a little more one-dimensional, especially uh, with Max Duggan, I think that certainly plays in K-State's favor. Well, and you know, it's kind of an interesting dichotomy, too, from what you looked at last year with K- when K-State went to uh, TCU and with what they kind of bring here to Manhattan this year. So last year, their offense was abysmal against K-State. Now, granted, K-State at that point had really started playing a little bit better defense, but my goodness, I had not seen a TCU team that looked that inept offensively in a long time. Well, Duggan got pulled. He did. And then he got put back in uh, for for a little bit. You know what, Duggan, you're not Max. You're not so bad. You're not so bad. Careful what you wish for, folks. Um, But when you think of TCU, you think of usually a couple guys in skill positions, whether if it's wide receiver or running back, and usually pretty good, not great, but usually average to above average quarterback play. Whether if it's Travon Boykin when he was at TCU. Kenny Hill, uh, even Max Duggan. You can maybe even throw him in that category when he's playing well, but against K-State, he hasn't necessarily done that here in years past. Now, he had that incredible run. He had that incredible run. I watched that again today. Yeah, that was... Word. That was. A.J. Parker. 
Yeah. You got mushed. He did get mushed. That was not his finest hour. AJ Parker's doing a nice job for the Lions in the NFL. Yeah. You know that? Yeah. How about that? Well, but usually what you think of when you think of TCU is a staunch Gary Patterson-led defense. Yeah. Folks, not the case this year. This is a TCU defense that's one of probably the bottom three or four defenses in the league. And opponents are averaging about 450 yards a game, about seven yards per play. Quarterbacks are throwing for about 65%, nine yards an attempt. I mean, those are bad numbers. Yeah, really bad. And they've they've allowed they're allowing about five and a half yards of carry on the ground. Not what you want. Allowing about 215 yards rushing per game. So you're telling me that when opponents run the ball, they average five yards, and when opponents try to pass the ball, they average about nine yards. Yeah. Um, so you can pretty. I'm much no math expert, but I those those it seems like there's a lot of first downs. There's a lot of yards to be had yeah. on this TCU defense, and this has been a staple of this program since they've gotten here into the Big Twelve as as a as a strong defensive program, one that you know they're going to be well coached, well disciplined. Fundamentally sound. Well, teams have figured it out. They figured out the four-two-five. I mean, at this point, you know, five or six years ago, the four-two-five was all the rage. Yep. Then that's and Patterson now, was kind now of, the the of the month, now the flavor of the month's the three-three-five. Yeah, but but that's it's the flavor of the month for a reason, yep. and it's because it's more effective, especially in the Big Twelve. And so now you're in, in this weird situation where Gary Patterson, this father, this innovator of this great four-two-five defense. Um, his defense is old fashioned. Yep, and it's it's out of style, and it's this year it's terrible, and so it's it's pretty interesting to see just how quickly things change in the Big Twelve when somebody is is respected as Gary Patterson is all of a sudden um, perceived as not really being up to date with his uh, defensive scheme and. And uh, it's they're certainly paying for it this year with the numbers you provided. You know, I mentioned one of the one of the three worst, or three or four worst uh, defenses in the conference. Ninth in total yards per game, ninth uh, in total yards allowed total, uh, eighth in passing yards per game, and ninth in rushing yards per game. Yeah. So, yeah, one of the worst. Uh, no question about it. So, you never thought you'd really be saying that about a Gary Patterson-led defense, but uh, here we are. Now, offensively, no Zach Evans. He will not out. be playing. He's out. Get him out of here. Yeah, you're not Dan Hawkins. <laughs> Get him out of here. He's out. <laughs> uh, what, now, what was that in reference to? Because I do remember the, the, that clip. It was... I think it was in the eight, uh, 2000. I was at this game. I was uh, at this game. K State Colorado game. Who what? It was. It who was, was it? a punt returner, I believe. I remember this. It was a trail snipes. Yeah, lit, lit him up on yeah. on the. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, he's out. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. Hawk was very upset. What a legend. He was a legend, no question about it. Um, all right, so let's look at this TCU offense. Love Hawk. Wish he was. Yeah, he's coaching UC Davis now. I think we've talked about that a couple times on the podcast now. He does a great job <laughs> out there. The, the Aggies, you know, the, out there in, uh, in in California. Good job by him as we continue. Uh, the go-to guy on the on the, um, on the TCU offense, at least in terms of the pass catchers, 
Quentin Johnston, 468 yards on the season, five touchdowns. Tay Barber, another talented wide receiver. They've got guys that can that can be good pass catchers for for Duggan. Johnston. Johnston is just that prototypical TCU pass catcher. Just the ignore six four. Yeah, six four. I mean, he's a monster. I mean, and you're probably gonna see Brent's maybe lined up with him maybe a little bit, but also, I mean, Echo. They they don't really seem like they travel too much in terms of, um, you know, shadowing one guy or the other. So, K-State's defensive backs, they're going to have their work cut out for them. No question about it. Uh, by the way, just checked in on the UC Davis. Oh, let's hear it. Uh, folks, the Hawk is 7-1 and one this year. All right. Huh? Including including a win at Tulsa. Yeah, we uh, we talked about that because that was the uh, in the Oklahoma State preview. Yeah. Yeah, so Hawk is doing a hell of a job. He's, he's living a great life out there in California, counting that. Colorado buyout money, coaching the Aggies. Yeah. Doing great. You know, he was even involved with a little bit of USA football. Like like the Team USA football, like, like yeah. the youth thing that where they would go on and like take on the teams like from China and Mexico. <laughs> I mean, of course, Can you imagine the United, if States, United States just rolling over all yeah. these guys. I could have coached this team to gold, you know? I mean, <laughs> but can you imagine being the youth football player for the Hawks? <laughs> yeah, this guy's the man. I'd love it. Yeah, I could. If I had the. Son, who's played football, I'd love to have the Hawk. The Hawk be his uh, youth football. Oh, player. absolutely, absolutely, no question about it. But uh, you know this TCU offense, like you said, Johnson is that big time receiver. You know, he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of like that Josh Doxson. Yeah, uh, that frame. Now t- he's a little bit meatier than Doxson. Doxson was a little bit of a string bean, but uh, a little bit of a Chad Taylor sort of yeah. build. Which you know, hope to see Chab get into the action a little bit more this week. But we don't. I I want to kind of just hit on this. TCU's offensively very balanced. They throw it for two hundred thirty four yards a game on average. They run it for two fifteen. But unfortunately, they are giving up more yards than uh, they are they are getting. They're averaging four fifty. They're letting up four fifty one. This is a team that right now I don't think has a whole lot of identity. No. And not only do they not have an identity, um, their their most prolific offensive weapon is uh, is out. So there you go. Uh, I I think that this is a game that K State has a little bit of confidence coming in here after after pulling out one on the road. You got TCU coming in here saying, I don't really know what we're gonna have coming out here because this is a team that has struggled here in conference play." And this is kind of a situation, kind of a, a team right now that you could pretty easily see. They might kind of pack it in. Well, they have a tough back half of the schedule too. Yeah, I mean they they, do. they, they still have KU to play, but road contests at K State, at Oklahoma State, and then Ames, and then they host the number sixteen team in the country, the Baylor Bears. Uh, and so, a little bit of a uh, a tough stretch here if they're hoping to get to bowl eligibility. We'll have to pull something out of their hat. Well, let's go ahead and talk about what K-State needs to do to be successful in this game. Um, from a defensive standpoint, I think it's pretty simple. Limit the big plays. Yeah. And that's been a huge issue, uh, especially, you know, to Oklahoma, sure. You're going to give up big plays to them. That, that's, that's the nature of the, of the beast that they have down there with that offense. But the first drive stuff has got to get better. That's got to get better. Um, yeah. 
you know, I, I don't know what you can do except be in better position and just tackle. And TCU has those game breakers that, that can go 70 yards on it. So K-State's going to have to be a lot better there. And offensively, I think the best thing that K-State can do offensively right now is really rely on Skylar Thompson. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if I would have ever probably said, if Skylar Thompson thrown the ball 35 times, 40 times a game, I'm not necessarily hating that. Um, I think that I'd rather have him be in the 30, 25 range. But if he's throwing the ball 35, 40 times a game, I might not hate that. Well, and it's so much of it is just taking what the defense is giving. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's that's what K State's kind of been forced to do these last, it really through the first half of Big Twelve plays because, like I said earlier, teams are their angle is to pay attention to K State's running back and kind of take a devil may care attitude towards everyone else. And Thompson's been good enough to to punish teams in certain situations. And he's been he's been smart with the ball, really. I mean. He's not forcing things like that quarterback for the Chiefs does uh, to where he's okay. taking what? Go, go on. Oh, he, he's just he's taking what the defense has given him. He's been smart with the ball, really. I mean, there's the, the one interception he had against Stanford, first game of the season, first drive of the season, that it wasn't necessarily he wasn't smart with the ball. He just maybe didn't pick the right matchup there. Right. And, and might not have really – Maybe been the best decision, but it's he's not trying to force the ball places. Um, he he's gotten a little bit lucky with uh, a couple of a couple. These I guess OU he could have had a couple interceptions. Yeah, but you know I feel comfortable with a six year starting quarterback. Well, not six. He's been here for six years. He started for five. I mean, yeah, for for parts of five seasons now, um, or for parts of four seasons, I should say. He's been a guy that you should be. Very comfortable with back there. And I think K-State fans should be. And uh, until he proves me wrong, I don't have any problem with letting him spread people out. No. And, well, and whether if it's wor- working deuce in the slot. And just finding wherever those matchups are. Wide receiving room is starting to get a little bit healthier now. With Sebastian Taylor getting involved. Tyrone Howell getting more involved. I, I think that this is a, is a uh, an offense that I'm hopeful here in the second half of the Big 12 season is able to, uh, to really hit their stride. Right. And it's... You know, I, I think K-State's offense played pretty well against Texas Tech. Of course, there were a couple devastating turnovers. They got shortchanged one possession yeah. with the fumble. Um, but I think uh, I think the recipe against TCU is, is just take what the defense is giving you. If, if Deuce is rolling and, and yeah. he can be racking up six, seven yards to carry, then by all means, go for it. But if TCU's committing like uh, OU, Iowa State, and Texas Tech have done then I trust Skylar Thompson in this K-State passing game yep. to put up 300 yards if need be. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is I feel like both options are going to be there. And if K-State's having luck throwing the ball, then, you know, go with that. If they're going to have luck running the ball, mix that in, too. Well, And, it, and, and against the, and the thing that's really great in, in terms of this matchup for K-State is they should be able to have success with both. Now, granted, have to be fair. Texas Tech was not a, a very good defensive team. And K-State ran the ball for under 100 yards. And they ran on 30 carries. And they just they were not running the ball well. So maybe the, this serves as an opportunity for this offensive line and for the, the, the running backs it, to, to really start you know carrying their weight a little bit. 
argument because sure. uh, there's no reason K-State shouldn't be able to run for 150, 200 yards on, these, on, on the Horned Frogs on Saturday. Well, I have a stat for you, Icon. Well, let's hear it, man. What do you got for me? Um, Fire away. Let me just confirm this, but um, TCU has given up 100 yards to a single carrier uh, in five of their six games so far this season. It's not a fact. It sure is. Though the lone game they didn't uh, have a 100-yard rusher against them was California, who doesn't really care to run the ball very much. Dirty Golden Bears. To the uh, Nevada Wolfpack preview. Yes. Um, you know, Bijan Robinson, of course, pretty darn good running back in Texas. Yeah, real good. Certainly do some things there. But uh, he racked up 216 yards against the Horned Frogs. Well, that's a day's that's a team's worth for, for one guy. On a day where Casey Thompson, uh, 12 of 22 for 142 yards. So, no real mystery what was working for Texas in that yeah. game. And yet, uh, TCU wasn't able to contain the prolific Texas running back. And so, I think uh, there's, even if K-State wants to, I mean, this game feels a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. A little bit like the Nevada game, where... You're facing a defense that isn't the best and certainly struggles defending the run. And I think there's a, a fair chance that even if TCU does commit to trying to stop Deuce Vaughn, that the K-State rushing offense proves to be too, too much for him. And the K-State might just be able to bowl him over. But it's nice to have the difference between this game and the Nevada game is you have Skylar Thompson back there. Yeah. And if K-State does want to utilize... I forget how many pass attempts K-State had against I think it was like 13, Nevada. 14. But if K-State yeah. wants to uh, try to beat them over the top or get a little bit more creative in the passing game, K-State can certainly make uh, TCU pay. You know, in TCU, I mean, they're they're coming in here 3-4. and four. They've lost to some pretty darn good teams. They've lost SW, who's undefeated. They've lost to Texas by 5. They did get hammered pretty good against Oklahoma. They lost that game by 21. And then they lost last week to West Virginia by 12. So the, the, it's a team that their their two biggest margins of defeat have come in the last two weeks. I'm beginning to think that this is a team that's really headed in the wrong direction. From, yeah. From my my that's what my gut is telling me on this one is that uh, you got to trust your gut. You got you and you also you got to be fair. Yeah. Let's 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 call it how it is and. I don't think that this TCU team is in a very good headspace. Throughout this journey. Throughout this journey of the season. And I think there's a real potential that K-State is able to, to play one of their better games here and have a really nice uh, nice win here on Saturday. I agree. I think uh, this is a, a good opponent for K-State. I think it's a pretty good matchup. And I think, uh, you know, it, so long as K-State can knock the uh, self-inflicted airs out. Which... Uh, y- and that's a big ask, and that's quite frankly an ask that K State hasn't really been able to, to to do this season. But maybe Saturday's the day. So Dilo springs eternal. Dilo, let's get a prediction here. What do you think, huh, brother? I think you and I are seeing this thing the, the same way. I'm high on. Uh, I think the K State offense is is going to put up some numbers, and I think uh, the K State defense will uh, contain Max Duggan a little bit. Hopefully, prevent some uh, another crazy rushing day for him. Um, but I think uh, I think K State's going to put some points up. I think K State wins this game 
Thirty-eight to twenty. Damn. Eh, calling a, a a nice, uh, impressive win for the Wildcats. They're gonna. Everyone's gonna be saying, "Stand up for the Wildcats." Stand up for the Wildcats. That's what we said. Dilo, I I had a bit of a, a gasp there with your prediction because that is very close to along the same lines I'm thinking. Of, <laughs> really? Man. Yeah. So I uh, what I was about ready to say is the same thing that you pretty much did. I think this is a game that K-State puts it together here, plays some complimentary football where the defense is able to create a couple turnovers. It had been a long time, it seemed like, since since uh, after Rush Yeast had intercepted uh, that Columbia pass. When was the last time K-State forced a turnover? Yeah. It might, I think you might have to go back to the Nevada game. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that's and, the truth. And, Carson uh, through that interception. And, you know, really when you look at it, this is a matchup that... I think K-State can really exploit, and I think they should have some good luck with. I'm going K-State 38-25. to 25. <laughs> I thought you were going to say 38-20. to 20. <laughs> That would have been sweet. <laughs> well, I was actually, 38-25 doesn't really quite make sense. What about 38-25? 38-25 might be a big total score, guy. That yeah, might be. Yeah, 25 is a hard. Hey, K-State got there last week. That's true. Uh, 38-24. 38-24 for, for uh, the Icon. 38-20 for Delos. So one thing you can take to the bank, 38 points for the Cats. That's right. Mark it down. Whether that third score for TCU is a uh, touchdown or a field goal. Yeah, that, 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 could, that could create the difference here. So yeah. Delos, anything else you want to add here before we wrap it up and get into Wildcat legend and ask the icon? No, none. I, uh, I think... Uh, I think you. Uh, I think we nailed it, and I really expect K State to have a, a nice win on Saturday. All right, folks. Well, there you have it for the Texas Tech review and Texas Christian preview. Before we uh, we wrap it up here, are you, or are you ready to roll here, Dilo? I can. I, I I have my notes ready. You have your notes ready. Okay. Well, folks, let's just go ahead and get into it, Dilo. Take the mic. Well, folks, uh, I'm going to just ferry you into a, a, a segment on the Short Side Option podcast, a segment that we here called This Week's Wildcat Legend. An icon? Yes, this, this week's Wildcat Legend hails from Wichita, USA. You know, I have a fun fact about Wichita. It's the biggest city in Kansas. It's the largest, it's the most populous city in Kansas. <laughs> yeah. And then also, too... It's the air capital of the world. The home of Pizza Hut. <laughs> I love Pizza Hut. You really do love Pizza Hut. I love Pizza Hut. Small town thing, I think. Could be. Uh, I, you know, I could, I, I'd kill for a slice right now. Yeah? Yeah, I think I would, man. Well, this young man played for uh, in his high school ball for head coach Dan Adelhart. Over at Cape and Mount Carmel. Oh, a crusader. Yeah. Okay. He was pretty valued. He was an all-state selection by the Kansas Football Coaches Association. Yeah, and you know, they, they don't just give those out to any random clowns. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I mean, you have to be a top-flight ball player to get that sort of honor. Uh, and off the gridiron in high school, he held the low city scoring average in the second lowest round in Kansas State high school golf history. Damn. A ball striker. Shot a 67 in 2010. Yeah. He, he had some good hits on, okay. the, uh, on the 18 holes. Um, he was a kicker. He was booted, a kicker. Booted 50 touchbacks 
and made 50 team field goals for the for the Crusaders throughout high school. Do you have any guesses? Yeah, I think I, I think I have some guesses. Would it help if I told you that he is the son of John and Susan? No, that doesn't actually really help. What if I told you he has a brother named Anthony? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> it's all very clear to me now. That's probably the the best um, family name clue. Yeah, I'd give it. Yeah, probably. I'm speaking, of course, of Mr. Jack. Cantelli. Yeah. Jack Cantelli played a lot of football for the Wildcats. You know, he, he sure did, didn't he? Yeah, he was K-State's kicker for uh, for three years. Yep. Um, and was pretty, uh, pretty decorated. He was 2015 first team All-Big 12. Uh, he was a Lou Groza Star of the Week that year uh, against Louisiana Tech, of course. Uh, yeah. He was also the Big 12 Special Teams Player of the Week. Yeah, that 2015 game against Louisiana Tech, one of the rare overtime games yeah. in the Bill. Yeah, for K-State period. Yeah. That, A&M, and I think that's it. I think that's the entire list. I don't think there was ever any other overtime game played. Uh, Texas Tech? Did we ever play overtime against Tech? can't remember. I don't think so. Not, not at home, anyway. Just here regardlessly. Um Had a lot of uh, had a lot of big kicks for K State, uh, and maybe none bigger than um, his redshirt sophomore season, twenty thirteen, a game against Texas Christian. Yes, big game against Texas Christian. You know this K State team was kind of rounded into form in in uh, twenty thirteen. Jake Waters had really taken reins uh, of the quarterback position. K State was playing some good football. Uh, there throughout 2013, and uh, a big win against TCU went a long way for that team. Yeah, on that day, I'm actually wearing a shirt from the 2013 season. Yeah, you're wearing your uh, Buffalo Wildwood. Man, I love Buffalo Wildwood. You love Pizza Hut. I love Buffalo Wildwood too, my man. I was pretty sad that they got rid of the uh, hot barbecue option though. Because, oh, did they really? Yeah, that was. Well, did they just rebrand it with a different name? No, no, they did God. not. Wow, I wish. Mm. Uh, Sorry to hear that. Anyhow, uh, yeah, his performance against Texas Tech was uh, four for four for field goals. Four field goals in one game. Nailed all of them. Uh, Including the 41-yarder with three seconds remaining to give K-State the lead and ultimately the win. Um, And that netted him Big 12 Special Teams Player of the Week. but that wasn't the end of his career. That was really just the beginning because in 2014, uh, he was primarily at place kicker. Uh, struggled a little bit. Uh, only 5 of 9 in 2014 with his season-long 43-yarder against the Lumberjacks down in Stephen F. Austin. Um, but in 2015, took a lot of uh, took a lot of action. Connected on 12 of 14 field goals and made all 29 extra point attempts. But in any event, he was a talented place kicker. Uh, you know, he was originally a walk-on at K-State. Oh, is that a fact? Yeah. Uh, but left with his name in the school's record book. Uh, served as the full-time place kicker in 2013 and most of 2015. Ranks fourth in school history in terms of field goal percentage. 
at almost 78%. 10th in career-made field goals, 28. And top 10 in career extra points, 82. 82 extra that? points. How about that? Uh, and uh, helped K-State accumulate a record of 34-18, and 18, a Big 12 championship in 2012, and four straight bull berths. How about that? Yeah. How about that? Well, and, you and know, also an absolute demon on the links. <laughs> that might be the most impressive thing that you read on yeah. that on that bio. Now, with Jack Cantelli, there there's always the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of people is the Auburn game where he yeah. he had some he had some missed kicks there. Wasn't great. But you know, I like to think of the positives in life. Yeah. That's what the segment's State, all about. The walk off to in Paul Rhodes's tenure as at the as a as a Cyclones head man, the big kicks that he made against Louisiana Tech, the big kick against Texas Christian, yeah, these are all reasons. Clutch, these are all reasons. Take yeah. it, Icon. These folks are all reasons that Jack Cantelli is this week's Wildcat legend. Wow, you said it like, uh, I feel like we're kind of doing Dave Lewis there a little bit. Dave Lewis. Yeah, Dave Lewis. Too bad he's not, I mean, I think Mitch Fortner's doing both now for, for well, he did men's basketball last year. I, I know he's doing football this year. He's got big shoes still. But he's, I, I'm sure he's doing it. And I, I think he's doing a hell of a job. He's, he does a great job. He always does. I've always said that. <laughs> you have. I've been saying that for years. Um, no one else believes me. Yeah. Well, that was this week's Wildcat Legend. And uh, now I think we're going to get into a segment that we call Ask the Icon. All righty. Uh, where listeners can submit their questions to the short side up. It's very own Chris they, the Icon. They, they sort. pepper me with questions. They just, they're jabbering. Yes. Um, it's unbelievable. And they can submit those questions via Twitter by uh, tweeting them at us, which our Twitter address is at TSSO underscore podcast. Or, of course, using the hashtag AskTheIcon. And, you know, I've seen some people use the hashtag lately, which yeah, we love to see. Yeah, pe- a lot of people have been, yeah. Um, or uh, maybe if it happens to be our birthday, climb into the cake. Yes, yes, Pop absolutely. Out, scare us. Say, Icon! Got a question for you. Yeah. What do you think about our too deep at left guard? And he'll answer. Yeah. He'll answer whatever question you got. Um, our first question this week comes from listener Tyler H at THH underscore on Twitter. Tyler asks, Tyler asks, kind of in response to uh, our request for submissions, or you say, fire away. He says, fire away, huh? Are you saying you're ready to fire CK still? Should he really be rewarded by the tech meltdown? So where are you at? Are we wanting to fire climbing? Not after last week. He bought himself another week foot. That's right. I love it. It's it, it's a well, you know, shoot. If Matt Wells is getting fired at, at, at being five and three, um, <laughs> a lot of coaches, well, a lot of coaches around the country should be should be updating that resume. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Uh, our next question comes from listener Trim at Trim Goema. Trim asks, with the streak finally over, thanks to the words of Mark Wahlberg, which you 
yeah. bless us with last week. Yeah. What does he have to say now that the? <laughs> what does he have to say now to our cats as they continue their journey? You know, I think the advice that Mark Wahlberg would give is, "Hey, guys, when we last talked, you were going through things. You had people saying, you know, hey, you're not very good, or you know, things are things things." Things are bad. Saying, hey, a lot of people were saying, "Very good." A lot of people were saying, disparaging things about you, maybe saying that you know maybe you don't have what it takes at this level. I don't know. Some people were saying that, maybe. Yeah. And then you you came out, you proved them wrong. You you showed internal grit by coming back and winning on the road when things should have easily gone against you. Now, you have the chance to offer the next page. What a story it can be. What a story it can be. That's what he'd say. That was beautiful. I love it. The, the, the pen is in your hands. Be the author. You author it one word at a time. One page at a time. One letter at a time. One pin stroke. Yes, exactly. Um, well, that was beautiful. Our, our third and final question this week comes from listener BTC at BeantownCat22. Oh, BTC. He always does a great job. Nice yeah, he, he kind of he always has... Really pertinent, smart questions. Not like Philosopher's Corner, but... Speaking of which... Where's he been? He's been in Exodus. He's been... In exile. <laughs> he's been exiled. Uh, maybe he's consulting kind of the the muses and trying to figure maybe, out... Maybe... I, I like to think he's maybe on a sabbatical of some sort. Yeah. Doing some thinking. Yeah, he's out in a cottage in the woods just kind of contemplating yeah just stewing over things <laughs> the genius of the quarterback draw uh anyhow beantown cat says mr icon please fill in the blank felix and Udike uzama's play for safety was the most impressive individual effort by a kansas state football player since mm, that's a really good question that's a great question really good question in terms of Gosh, man, that is a really tough question for me. In terms of an individual performance, like on that one single play, because that I'm not going to take a, a guy's whole game. No, say like, no, I, I think I, it's I think it's best individual, individual play. You know, the one that comes to mind to me from last year is I think the one that's going to come to your mind. I do fine. Yeah, Texas. That Texas run. Yeah. Now I'm trying to think of something on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, last year would be the wrong year to look for it. Yeah. Um, I would look back. Maybe the Justin Gardner interception. That was impressive. We like that. Not, that we, we. It wasn't. It wasn't to that level. No, it sure wasn't. Um, I think the next one that I would put, and I, and there's probably something more chronological, but the when I think of a great defensive play that just was an, uh, just a pure individual effort, kind of. Like the, I mean, Felix's was just a pure individual play. Yeah. I mean, there was no assist on the tackle. It was all him. Mm-hmm. The one I think of is when, uh, I think it would have been 2013, Ryan Mueller against Baylor. Bryce Petty is the quarterback. He's rolling towards the sideline. And uh, Mueller, like, strip sacks and recovers him. Yeah. Like, just, I mean, he didn't really even quite, like, Get him all the way down. He like just kind of like took the ball from him as Absorbed I as I, the yeah, ball. as I recall. So 
that was a tremendous play. That is probably the one that comes to mind from a defensive side of the ball uh, play. At least that's what comes to mind for me. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. I Deuce, Deuce is running against Texas. You know, it's a shame that that was at a point in the season uh, where K-State was basically... Just going through the motions. And yeah. in a game especially where it was so one-sided because I don't think that play gets the notoriety it really deserves because that... I mean, you see it in highlight reels and stuff, but that was... Well, if they, when they show that play on high, highlight reels, make sure that bottom part of the screen where the score yeah. is displayed... And it's not is, important. ...is not... Context was. ...is not uh, shown because that was a terrific... I mean, that was... In terms of an individual effort, that's as, as good as it gets. Yeah. Well, that wraps up uh, the, uh, the Ask the Icon segment. Icon? You want to take a trip around the Big 12? You know, br- let's take a brief trip. Um, the big game this week is probably one that is going to be um, a little bit tough for people to watch. And that, of course, is the, um, the, um, the Cyclones going on the road to Morgantown to take on the Mountaineers. And Give me Texas at Baylor, man. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that there's a decent chance. Uh, Texas and Baylor is, is the bigger game. You're, you're absolutely right on that. Um, but the, I did the have Iowa State-West Virginia game certainly has some entry. Yeah, that that one might have a, the biggest chance. Maybe the yeah, – I don't know. Would you consider Texas beating Baylor really to be a huge upset? No. I think Baylor's a slight favorite in that one. I'm showing them a three-point favorite. I'd say the big game also, too, uh, that I'm going to be kind of peering in at, of course, uh, is that West uh, Virginia-Iowa State game. Be interested to see. Iowa State has only gone on the road twice this year uh, in in conference so far, K-State and and Baylor. They lost to Baylor. Um, They, they of course, beat K-State. Be interested to see if West Virginia is able to kind of parlay some of their success that they had uh, on the road at uh, at TCU. But in terms of this match, in terms of this slate, Oklahoma State's hosting KU. Oklahoma State's a thirty point favorite there. You don't you don't expect them to have any problem. OU and Tech. OU's about a twenty point favorite. Hard to see Tech really make that much of a game. No, uh, but you never know. Stranger things has happened. Well, yeah. And then uh, the three games that we've talked about, K-State, TCU, Texas and Baylor, West Virginia, Iowa State. Your picks on those, we've all we've picked K-State in both of those, or we both picked K-State in that game. Texas, Baylor, who you got there? I'll take, uh, boy, I'll take Texas. I think, I think, uh, think Rajon is uh, going to be too much for the Bears. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I Give me Baylor in that one. I, I'd rather just see them win. <laughs> I'd, ra- I'd rather see them. <laughs> How's that for a pick? Yeah. Uh, and then Iowa State, West Virginia, you know, I, I think Iowa State will find a way to win, but be careful if you're the clones here in this one. And, and then OU and Oklahoma State, I don't think those really need a whole lot of discussion. But this Big 12 conference race is going to start to heat up here uh, in the coming weeks, uh, really once the calendar turns to November. Uh, I'm looking ahead, and um, the the – Big matchup coming up down the line, especially if Baylor's able to beat TCU, or Baylor's able to beat, uh, well, both TCU and uh, Texas. 
Oklahoma goes to Waco uh, the second week of November. This this conference race is kind of shaping up with with the conference title game being two teams out of these three: Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor. Yeah. And at this point, or no, excuse me, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State's still well within in the mix there. I think Iowa State might be as as capable of anyone. There's going to be a lot of really good games coming up down here uh, the rest of the season. Yeah, don't count out Texas either. I think they can. Uh, they have a they have a chance to uh, get some ground on Baylor and Iowa State here in the next couple weeks. Um, so the uh, the Longhorns certainly aren't out of it either. But uh, yeah, it should be an exciting finish to the Big Twelve season. Dilo, anything you want to add here in your parting shot? Yeah, I'm going to talk about Matt Wells a little bit. I, uh, you know, it's... I have to confess at the start of this, I'm not deep into the weeds on the Texas Tech football program. Their fans wanted him fired. He got By fired. By all means. He got, he got Here, fired. Here's your pat of flesh. I, I read a lot of, you know, I do that... I read a lot of opponents' message boards after K-State. Oh, games. yeah. Everyone knows that you're... The gyms are the game threat. Yes. You um, a great job. And they were really tired of Matt Wells. And I can understand why. Three poor seasons. And, well, two poor seasons. And this one looks like it's about to uh, go that direction, too. Gotta remember. He said his quarterback injured every single year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because he had Alan Bowman in his lung. Yeah. And, uh, of course, getting put out against K-State last year. Uh, Tyler Shuck this year. Yeah. And so, you know, it's hard to win in the Big 12 unless you're Texas or Oklahoma and you just have better blue chips, and, blue chips yeah. and spades at quarterback. But you lose your starting quarterback, and things can kind of go off the rails for you. Sure. We're certainly seeing it at K-State. And so I think it's kind of a raw deal. I think that it... And if it's not a raw deal, then it's bad luck. Because yeah. because um, you're not going to win very many games unless with, with your backup quarterback in the Big 12. And I think that that was a big problem for him. And... Yeah, they were 5-3 and three this year with some really brutal losses. K- the K-State loss, if you're a Tech fan. They, yeah, that was... They had multiple drives with a chance to go up by 21 points in that game. They didn't get it, and they still had a pretty darn good shot to win at the end. Um, and so, I get it. Two and a half years seems like a pretty tri- quick trigger. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, with, with one of those being a, a COVID year. Right. So... Power to him. I, I did see that they uh, he had a pretty forgiving buyout um, for Tech to fire him. Mean, it, it was, I think, somewhere like in the five six million range. Which this is early into your tenure, pretty that that ain't bad. But um, so should they have fired him? I probably would have given him the end of the year. I don't know what firing him now really accomplishes. That's what I don't get. That's what I don't agree. Unless but, you're trying to audition... Yeah, Sonny Cumbie. Yeah. Yeah, I don't quite get that either. I think that's a little bit odd. Because now it just... 
makes everything feel like, like a lame duck. Yeah, it, 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 because that's exactly what it is. Now, obviously, he's out of there. When really, they just need one more win to get to a bowl game. Yeah, they might. I, you look at the schedule, they're going to be pretty big underdogs. Yeah, in but. Most of the games. In most, but sometimes you win. Yeah, sometimes you do. <laughs> if you have, I mean, they have they a one in four chance to. They just need one. I, I was looking at Bill Connolly. Uh, I'm going to talk about S&P Plus, which I know you roll your eyes at. But his formula has them with an, like an 89% chance to win one of these games. There's not a chance in hell they win one of these. <laughs> I think there is. Who are they going to be? It doesn't matter. The field. Give me one. Is they going to be OU? No. They're going to be Iowa State. Maybe. They're going to be Oklahoma State. Maybe. Maybe Baylor. Could I mean possibly. Yeah, sign me up for Nay on, on They'll all be of they'll score. be They'll be double digit dog they'll be two touchdown dogs in each of those games. Okay, but sometimes you yeah. win those. Yeah. Um no not very well. Often. But then then I mean if you were one if you want to fire him, fire him. I, I mean, but I just don't really think that it's a very good look to fire him in the middle of the season. When they're five and three. Yeah, exactly. Because now that's gonna give you a tough time with these other coaches. Like, yeah, I'll have a winning record in the middle of the season. That eh, might not be good enough. You might get axed there, too. You know one name that's interesting for that job that I haven't really seen very many people bring up, but I thought, shoot, that makes a lot of sense. Graham Harrell. Yep. I mean, it reeks he, a little bit of the Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, well, but you know, he and, and I like Kirby Hocutt. I think he's, you know, Case Stater. If I'm a Texas Tech fan, I do not want him hired as the next head coach. Well, he's gonna. Well, he should. If I was a Texas Tech fan, I'd say maybe that's part of the issue. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I the Matt Wells hire was kind of a head scratcher originally. I yeah, thought. I didn't really get that. But, but in any event, that's that's my that's my final shot. Um, well, maybe I, I think it was a quick trigger finger uh, down there in Lubbock. Well, maybe. Maybe just maybe Matt Wells finds himself in the NFL and it coaches an undefeated team. I don't like think so. old good old Cliff. I, I don't think anybody is impressed with uh, Matt Wells' well, grooming sh- of of Columbia. Christy, Christy Columbia, Christy Columbia. You know he, um, yeah. I it, it's kind of crazy, right? You know, Tech has Boy Wonder, Cliff Kingsbury, the turnover machine, Patrick Mahomes, and they can't. Now they get a one bowl game with him. Now you have one who's won a Super Bowl and an NFL MVP. The other one that's coaching an eight no NFL team right now. You're like, what? How did we? We not, had them both here. We had we went five and seven <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Like you're just like, what? 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 How, how, how does this happen? Yeah. And, and you know, I think Cliff Kingsbury. I think you see it in the next level. I mean, it's like, you know. You don't have to worry about recruiting. You just pay people to come here and they play defense for you. <laughs> right. Yeah, like this amazing. makes it a whole lot easier. Yeah. Like I don't have to go out and recruit and try to find people to come play at Texas Tech. I just draft them and they have to come play here. They have to come play defense. <laughs> they have to come play defense. The offense, I can figure that out. Yeah. That's that's no issue. Yeah. The defense stuff. That's the, the, and I actually I can just hire like a defensive coordinator and he just kind of handles it all. <laughs> Like, I don't even have to really... That kind of should be how it worked for him at Texas well, Tech, but... They can hire a whole lot better defensive coordinator in the yeah. NFL than yeah. you can at Texas Tech. Right. So, you know, it is... Uh, and I and I would like 
Yeah, I have no issue with Texas Tech. I um, when you talk about, I like them because they kind of they stunk. They've been terrible. They haven't been. They haven't been good since Mike Leach left. I didn't really like them all that much when Mike Leach was there. I didn't even because they were getting our goat. Well, yeah, that's true. They were. So I, <laughs> I didn't like that. I didn't really mind Iowa State too much when they were uh, kind of the last. Now you now you loathe them. Now I, I I loathe them. Yeah. No, I don't really care that I, they're just good. They are good. Well, Dilo, that's a great good final shot. I I uh, it, you know I had a couple people text me and say yeah, so that's what happened when you lose to K State. Now you get fired. It's like well yeah I guess so. Happened to Paul Rhodes. Happened to Paul Rhodes. Happened to um gosh there's another one that. Um, kind of sticks out to me. Oh, Frank Solich. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Frank Solich, too. Yeah, 2004. So, um, 2004. 2004. 2003, though, when we beat him in Lincoln, that was essentially... Well, you know, I think that... Yeah, that was essentially kind of the final straw for him a little bit because the next year... Wait a minute. I think 2003 was his last year. Really? 2003 was his It last wasn't year. his last game. No, it was. He was fired after they lost to Colorado. Or after they beat Colorado. I, I'm, I'm verifying this right now because I, I, I actually read a really good article about uh, Frank Solich and that coaching, sh- coaching search uh, that took place at... Um, yeah, 2003 was his last year in Nebraska. Oh, darn. So, uh, Frank Solich is definitely one that K-State got fired too. But... Uh, Interesting story on who they were going after to, to hire uh, following uh, Frank Solich being fired. And uh, Steve Peterson, the athletic director at Nebraska, had the famous quote saying, We here at Nebraska, we are not about to uh, give up the Big 12 to Oklahoma and, and Texas. Well, they not only did they give give up the Big Twelve, they ended up leaving the Big Twelve because they couldn't yeah. beat Oklahoma and Texas. Exactly. So, uh, so, so not only did they they not give it up, they they just kind of opted out on their own. But uh, the guy that they were going the the I guess the the silver bullet that they had was two NFL guys that they were really wanting to take it. Al Saunders, the former offensive coordinator uh, for the Chiefs under mm-hmm. Dick Vermeil, and Mike Sherman, the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Those are the two guys that they had kind of, uh, you know, pigeonholed for that role. They also had um, Houston Nutt, like ready to become the highest paid coach in college really? football. Yeah. Where was Houston Nutt at that? Time? He was in Arkansas. Oh, all the way back in, in Arkansas. At this point, they said, "Hey, dude, like, take it or leave it. Like, we need to know." Like they weren't really. Uh, they said we're gonna we're gonna give you an offer. It's not gonna be as much as Nebraska, which that's crazy to think about now. Yeah. Like the, the SEC is not able to pony up uh, against the Big Twelve. Against the Big Twelve team, but uh, yeah, like we'll give you a raise. But he was Houston was gonna be the highest paid coach in college football. That's crazy. And if he and he was close to taking that Nebraska job, but he did not. So. Well, it's kind of they, there was a nice little series actually. If you do have an athletic membership that goes into these coaching carousels and talks about kind of some of the inside baseball that goes on there, so I really enjoy. Yeah, that I'll, I'll have to read that. So, well, folks, should be a big win here for K State. We're we're needing another one because then with uh, a win against TCU, we've got uh, a date with bowl eligibility on the line 
uh, as we head to Lawrence to take on KU next week. So yeah, KU next next week. I I and folks, bad job by me. I said we play KU this week on last week's edition of the short side option. Now I'm just getting everyone. No, we play Texas Christian. We play Texas Christian this week. But next week we might have a friend in the studio. Now, next week, yes, I have. I I confirmed a booking. Very good. He's on with us. So, folks, if you've been listening to the short side option, you know what we're talking about. For folks that don't, nice little surprise for you next week. You'll have to join us on next week's edition of the short side option. Until then, thanks for listening, and go Cats.